of Yahweh, a new day. The breath you have filled my lungs, another new day, your day. Your day to come to your house, to fellowship, to worship and praise, Father. The opportunity to come and share your word, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, Father. To anyone that would hear and listen, not just hear words that are spoken, but listen to what you're telling us. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua Aman, Paraklitos Aman. So, up rather early this morning, earlier than I usually get, but the Holy Spirit's kind of rousing me in things that I've been thinking of since I've been hearing and seeing some things in this day, in these last number of days, actually. Um, kind of started up with this uh, <laughs> this fictitious... And I know this is going to offend some people. And then, of course, you're going to have all those that are going to have some smart alecky thing to say. But here's the deal. I spent 10 years in service to this country. I'm a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. And it isn't just until the last, I guess it's been the last uh, decade that they decided that bases that we were all stationed at and had to live at we're contaminated, and then you go through the rigmarole. But what I'm, the point I'm getting, I don't want to get sidetracked. The point that I'm getting to is I really see a fictitious government. There are some individuals that are here trying to really lead, and but for the most part, there's others that are just puppets, and it's fictitious, and it's hurtful. But here's the thing. This is all coming from the prophetic word of the Bible. If you go back to Daniel and you read in Jeremiah, you read in Isaiah, these things are spoken of here and they are true. They're true because they come from the word of God and God is truth. He didn't just tell the truth because it's the right thing to do. It's truth because he is truth. He is love. He is all these things. And I've shared with you before that that his names are not just uh, they're not just a description of this great guy or uh, kind of like when you would tack a title onto a building or an, or name a building or they name a mall. These names of God are his character, and they deal with his promises, and they deal with the truth. We'll just run through a Mokadishkim. Lord, my sanctifier, he sanctified us. Oh my goodness gracious, he came and died on the cross. He washed us in his blood to wash away our sins. He took all the sins from us. And what he has given us is a call. But something that I think is really important is that we have to know that these names are all his character. Jehovah Shalom. Lord of my peace. And as I've shared, maybe I did or maybe I didn't, but I'm getting tired of, hey, how's it going? How's it going? Have a nice day and all this. The Lord has been speaking to me and my new greeting for people is Jehovah Shalom, Lord of my peace, or Shalom, Shalom, peace, 
God's peace, peace. It means the same thing. Shalom, shalom. Lord of my peace, peace. You're speaking peace into their lives and peace into this world. And that's my greeting. And I've been practicing. It takes a little practice because I'm not used to doing that. But it's a practice that I intend to take part because this is what we need to speak into this world. The other thing I'm going to speak into you, brothers and sisters, is you need to be very cautious because the other thing I've noticed, and this is also a prophetic word from the word of God, his truth, his knowledge, his wisdom. Remember, that's what I share. I don't make stuff up and I don't do it to put myself in a higher position than anybody else. And you've noticed, if you've been listening for any length of time at all, is that if I speak over somebody's head, I come back down and I try to explain so there's understanding. God is a God of understanding and he wants us to be clear on his word. He wants us to be clear on his promises. God is not the God of confusion. He's not the God of blame. He's not the God of of ill-directed judgment. God is pure in his judgment and he is just in his judgments. All these things that are descriptive of God's character because this is who and what he is and not just what he should do. I'm going to remind you that the word prophet does not mean a future seeing individual. Okay, a lot of people have that misconception. Oh, when you talk about prophet, that's somebody that can see into the future. Not exactly. A prophet is somebody who has been especially called by God and anointed by God to do things and the person is very much in tune with God's directions and he will follow God's directions and follow his steps. You have Daniel, you have Jeremiah, you have Isaiah, you have many, many, many. And some of them, with a special anointing of God, were able to declare future tensional statements. They were able to see things that are going to come. Daniel was able to do that. He was able to interpret dreams. Isaiah could see visions. John, a very powerful prophetic preacher, when he wrote the book of Revelation, he was given these visions, which was a future tensional. And he was given that by the Lord. And when they put John out on the island of Patmos, and the reason I say that John is probably... You had some very powerful prophetic speakers, Peter, Paul, James. But John, this is just my perception. I could be wrong, could be completely wrong. But the reason that John was put on the island of Patmos is because they couldn't kill him. Rome they were going to take him and they were going and the Jews said oh yeah yeah let's really do him we're going to do him in well they couldn't kill him they tried to do away with him in many many instances and he couldn't get it done the final stage i think what finally got him to give up though was they took the guy cuz they couldn't they they couldn't get him to die they tried to starve him to death they 
that didn't work and they, <laughs> the man was fed by God and they didn't get it. They tried all manner of things and then they tried to boil him in a giant cauldron of boiling oil and they put him in there and they tried to take his life by cooking him to death and that didn't work. So finally, the authorities, or those that declared themselves an authority at that time, they said, okay, we're tired of this. We, we can't kill him. We can't do it. So what we're going to do is we're going to take him to this island that we have that's in our territory and we're in charge of. So what we're going to do is we're going to banish him and he's going to live alone on the island of Patmos for the rest of his life until he dies out there. Whatever that may be, but we're not going to have to deal with him anymore. We're not going to have to try to do it on our own, which is expending a great deal of energy because the man won't die. They put him on the island of Patmos. The only thing of it is that didn't turn out real well with him because the guy, <laughs> the Lord came to visit him. The angels came to visit. He wasn't alone on that island. He wasn't, uh, what happened to John on the island of Patmos was not anything that they thought that it would be or that they declared it would be. God says, this man is mine. I called him. I have given him authority and he's going to see what I want him to see. He's going to share what I want him to share. And John said, yes, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Holy Spirit of my Father God in heaven, let's go. I walked with your only begotten son. I do believe he's your only begotten son. I walked with him. I walked with him until he was crucified. I walked with your spirit after he was crucified. I will do what you call me to do. And he continued walking. And they put him out there on that island of Patmos and he was visited by angels. And then our Lord Jesus came and stayed with him and gave him vision so he could see and he declared him to write the letters to the seven angels. Remember, here's, here's where this takes a turn and comes in. Okay, so the seven angels at the churches, the angels are as biblical speech for the pastors or the leaders of the church. They're also called prophets. And being a prophet is being a special, especially in tuned leader of the church. And of course you have some that have come and, and they became so weak, they became so caught up in the world that they walked away from what God called them to do and anointed them. I share that because I share this thing that still troubles my heart. I pray about it. And I haven't got clarity on this yet. But this was a leader of a church, pastor of a church. And one of my mentors had known the individual for about 14 years. Then the man just gave up, just gave up and declared to the congregation, this is, this is the, the heartbreaking part, 
as it came up in front of his congregation and told him he can't do it anymore and walked away and quit in front of them. That's a pretty powerful thing, and I can't I can't judge him for how he decided to do that because we're free will choice. But I just find it very heart wrenching that here is this man who did weddings and christenings, buried folks, and did this. And I mean, in fourteen years of being a pastor of a church, you're going to run into those situations. And then just to stand in front of the very same congregation, tell them you're not going to do it anymore, and you just can't. And then you declare some of the reasoning why man just gave up. He wasn't practicing what he preached. And brothers and sisters, I try to practice what I preached to you. I've told you before and I'll tell you again. You can try my spirit. Double dog dare you. Try my spirit. See if the Holy Spirit does not guide you and tell you that I speak truth. I have a mirror in front of me, not physically, but I have a mental mirror in front of me that floats around wherever I'm looking because I don't just sit here and stare straight ahead. I turn and look and I have my service dogs, my service companions, and I check on them, (laughs) which I love. God brought us together, incidentally. It was a gift of God, a powerful gift of God because they teach me really regularly how we should treat each other. Unconditional love they possess and they show and they share. And this is what God would like us to do, but we can't do it because we walk in this broken space. And look what look what people do to these creatures that God has created. They will abandon them. They will beat them. They try to kill them. I have, I have witnessed where people have hung a dog like they used to do in the days gone by of criminals. Hang a dog and put it up in a tree and just walk off and leave it. Somebody has to come by and rescue man. What, what did the dog do that deserved that kind of treatment? To be abandoned, starved to death, and then you have some individuals that take them out in the middle of a woods and chain them or tie them to a tree and then just walk off and leave them? Seriously? God's prophet and was commanded by God to speak to the nation and tell them, And those that do this, the creatures that I have created, that I have created, that I put here, and my reason for putting them here and having them here, and they do this to these creatures that I have created for no good reason, makes me angry. So let me tell you, if those individuals are going to do that to what they consider to be lesser creatures, and my pronunciation over this is that simply because they don't speak our language that we have to treat them that way. They understand far more than we could ever. They know when people are hurting the service animals. They know when there's discomfort. They know this. God gave this to them. They're powerful. But look what we do to them. Look how we treat each other. We find any excuse that we can not to show love that God has put into us. And we can't love anyone else if we don't have the love of God in us. So those individuals that are treating people so badly, they're attacking others of skin color and others that don't speak our language. And that doesn't just go for us, the English-speaking American folks. That goes for other people because it happens. We have 
arrogance. I ran into this where I was working before, and this came from Asian culture, is that being the type of work that I did, I, it was considered a lowly job. And that these business types came and would travel around and do the things, or maybe they were on some kind of vacation, whatever. But they really treated individuals in my capacity as lower than them. I looked down, and they their speech was actually quite rude. Some of them didn't understand that I could understand what they didn't know. They didn't realize that I could understand the language, and I spoke the language. And once or twice when they were just being absolutely pathetic, I called them out on it. And I told them it was unacceptable because they're not in their country anymore, and that people that are doing work and trying to help them don't deserve to be treated like uh, so much dirt on the bottom of the ship, which is exactly what they were doing. It was really pretty despicable. And I just got real big first and then totally apologetic, 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 and just went and sat and that's okay. But I mean, I wasn't, but okay. The point that I'm making, I'm getting sidetracked. And I don't want to do that. The point that I'm making is that this world is a broken world. The Bible tells us it's broken. And I am seeing and witnessing more and more and more. So you have to be very cautious. You have to try the spirit in all things. All things. I'm going to emphasize that. Say it again. All things. You have a lot of situations that are happening. Churches that are not only closing and treatment of, of one another and, and really badly done. But the Bible also says that there will be a pouring out of the Spirit of the Lord. But in that happening, you have to understand and realize, and I've shared with you and I'll share it with you again. The devil, Satan, is minions. He's very deceptive. He's very crafty. And he will disguise what's being done. You have to understand and get this, okay? Yeah, he was kicked out of heaven, but that doesn't mean he doesn't remember what he'd heard, doesn't remember, and that he doesn't remember those things. Okay, his heavenly attributes have, are gone, okay? He can't be everywhere at once like angelic beings and like our Lord can do. He, he's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's not omnipresent. He can't be with everyone at the same time. This is why he has minions that work for him. These peons, these peotes, they, they run around and they, they do his bidding. And they come back and they report to him. And if it's not something he likes, he'll kick them across the courtyard. And he's not all powerful which is the thing that a lot, there are Christians and I've heard Christians speak and I've heard them talk about, or let me rephrase that, label heads and self-proclaimed Christians that speak as if the devil is equal to or on the same level as our Lord God Almighty, sovereign Lord God Almighty. Remember what Jesus told us in the book of Luke. I'll remind you of this, Luke 10 that Jesus said, I, and unto you I give authority to step on the heads of serpents and on scorpions and unto the power of the enemy himself. 
we have been given authority. What does that mean? What is it, or what should it mean to you? And what is it to you? Is it Satan can't even overcome us if we don't allow it? If we call and declare the authority given by Jesus Christ to us, and we claim that authority that he has given to us, he cannot, he cannot, he cannot do harm. So when I hear these so-called self-proclaimed level-head Christians declare that, oh, I'm just not feeling to today. The devil's just robbed me of my joy. No, you gave it to him. You gave it up. You surrendered to him because he overpowered you with his white noise interference. That is all that Satan does have. He has a capability of being so crafty and calculating and he can camouflage to be something that he's not or make it appear to be something that he's not. And remember what I've shared with y'all before. One of his pseudonyms, other names other than Satan, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, Prince of the Air, Prince of this Earth, just many of his names, his other names, but one of his other names is liar, deceiver, and fear. Satan is called fear. That's an anagram. I've shared that with you before. False evidence appearing real. The the Satan is a tactician. He's 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 really good, and he has a capability. This is why God has said and his word that we are in a spiritual warfare. What is this warfare for? It is for our very soul. And um, there are those souls that also walk on this earth, his children that he's created, and he wants us to have time with him. He wants us to spend eternity with him in our heavenly kingdom. And if you are accepting that Jesus is his only begotten son and you have faith in God, you will follow the Holy Spirit to guide your steps. It makes you heirs, joint heirs with Jesus, our Savior, Emmanuel, God in us, with us, Christ, anointed of God. We are joint heirs with him, and he sits on a throne. Come on, brothers and sisters, this is truth that comes from the Bible. This is God's word. This is his truth and his knowledge and his wisdom that he has imparted to me to share with you. Try my spirit. Go ahead. Test my spirit with the Holy Spirit and see if the Holy Spirit does not tell you that what I share is truth. You have to be willing to do this, especially in this day and age and time. I've seen these things that are going on that Satan is getting very powerful. And remember that the Bible tells, if you're in the word at all and you're paying attention, that in the last days, that Satan's going to be and show out and be very powerful, very powerful. And things are going to happen that are just going to drive people to distraction, going to happen that are going to absolutely frighten them. But what I tell you is that fear, God knows that we are afraid. God knows that these things trouble us. But God also says, be not afraid nor dismayed, be of good courage, for I am with you. He has declared to be with us and stand with us and hold our hand in his righteous right hand, in his strong hand. And like the lithograph, 
Footprints in the sand. He does not leave. And when the individual looked over his shoulder and said, well, God, how come you left? And God says, I never left. I said, well, when I looked back, there was only one set of footprints in the sand. <laughs> and God looked and gave that little wry smile and just, I'm sure that the vision that I have is God is like my earthly father would do and he's walking and something would just kind of, it wasn't in a bad way, but he would just kind of look and he'd shake his head and, and kind of, I guess a little his measure of disbelief, but God does the same thing. He looks down and he just sort of smirks, smirks that little wry smile. And then he just kind of shakes his head and he goes, my child, I never left. There's only one set of footprints because that's when I was carrying you. It was too hazardous for you to walk beside me. So I picked you up and I carried you through this turmoil. It's when I was carrying you. I will never leave you. I do not leave you. I won't leave you. I am with you until the end of the age, until this plane of existence is no more. And you are my child in my kingdom with me. I will be here until that time comes. And then I will be with you for eternity. You will be with me always. Brothers and sisters, there is a rough time coming. And it is something that, as I've shared, I am a veteran of this country. And it really, really breaks my heart to see what individuals are coming. And at the same time, the word of God says that there will be a great pouring out of the spirit. But be cautious. The word of God tells us in his truth, why would he tell us or warn us of this if there wasn't a reason for it? That reason, of course, is Satan. Satan's desire is to separate, steal, kill, and destroy. And it's not necessarily on a physical death, but the death that he desires is to drive you away from God so that you have a spiritual death, that you perish. So you remember I've shared this with you before. There's a difference between dying and perishing. When you die, you leave this plane of existence. And some of us won't die. God just takes us. I mean, how awesome would that be? to be walking with God and then all of a sudden as Anus. Read this back in Genesis, a guy, <laughs> this man walked with God and was called his friend. God called him a friend and they used to walk together. Anus left, that almost sounds kind of, so Enos, Enos, Ennis. Some people might, be like a child in school and, and start giggling at the name or pronunciation. Enos walked with God. God called him his friend and they walked. And one day Enos just left home, never came back. They didn't know where he left, but it, the Bible specifically says that he walked and then was no more. 
And when I think of Enos, I think of that angel that I saw that night in my job and why God did that, I, I still don't know. He hasn't told me, and that's okay because my contract that I signed with him is blank. He can do how he deems necessary, and I will do his bidding and be about my father's business. But when I think about Enos, and, and he's done this not only to Enos, but he's done it before. Moses just basically walked into heaven. So Enos is walking one night and then he just was no more because God took him with him. And that angel, when I was, had that angelic person who was, I mean, I, I could argue this and people can say, oh, you were seeing things, oh, you imagined this, oh, you did this, oh, you did that. Well, my retort is that you weren't there. You didn't see it and you didn't witness and you didn't experience. I know what I saw, I know what I heard, and I know what happened that night. And this angelic being that God sent for visitation to me and to give me a powerful prophetic word and means that I need to practice this. Not only in my job, and I think, I think that she appeared as a female, so I think that she was speaking to my walk in life and not just my employment. And before she stepped off and then walked out into the night and vanished, did not disappear, didn't step into a shadow, and the fog was not so thick that I couldn't see her because I could actually quite well for a, quite a long distance until she vanished. But stopped and, I, and looked right into my eyes as if she had climbed in and gone down into my very soul but entered me and looking so powerful and spoke these words. Remember, this is what you do. This is not who you are. And for the longest time, I believe that she was speaking. I was having a regular troubling time at my job. It was, it was kind of tough and I had a lot of things on my mind. Um, and I believed it to be, but now I see with all these things going on, this is prophetic word that she spoke to me and I'm sharing with you because the Holy Spirit says it's a good thing. It's a right thing and I should do. That we need to remember that aside from God being in us and with us, that this is not who we are, this is what we do. What does that translate to? That translates that we are children of God. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Jesus, Emmanuel Christ. Jesus, Savior, Emmanuel, God in us, God with us. Christ, anointed of God that we are heirs and joint heirs with him, and that our kingdom, our home, is in heaven, and we are invited to be there with him at the end of this age 
or when he decides it's time to come home. And when that happens, I am going to be pleased to do so. I have loved ones that are there. Reunion is going to be powerful. I have individuals that have gone on and I can remember how they were broken here on this plane of existence because we have done so much, so many terrible things to ourselves, to each other. Brothers and sisters, we will be made new. This is why I'm, I have... <clears throat> I'm saddened that he's not physically here, but at the same time, when I was praying over my brother who had, had been, who had just crumbled from all these things that we've done to each other from the poison that we have. I mean, I'm, I spent 10 years at a place that it was so contaminated, but here's the sad part is that there is supposed to be getting support from this alleged government that we have, but if we don't fit their criteria and their protocol, that they've established to go around this, but yet I spent some of the longest time that I had in the service at that place. My oldest child was born in that place. I met his mother and married her, and we lived at that place, served at that place. She was also a Marine. And yet, if you don't fit into the protocols that they've established and the government is not going to take care of you, as they should be anyway, but because you don't fit the way they want to do it, and this is what the governments do. This is how they work. But in real life, in, if you are a child of God, a believer that Jesus came, was manifest as flesh, as a man and came here and died for our sakes. If you believe in him and you believe that the Lord God and you believe in the Holy Spirit, this is what I shared with you a little short while ago about an enigma. That is a puzzle or an established um, mystery that you can't figure out. That's the mystery of God. And the Bible says that God is a great mystery. David's talked about the mystery of God. Paul's talked about the mystery of God. Establish that thing. It's a powerful mystery. You can't figure it out. So stop trying to ponder it and figure it out with your finite mind. This is a problem that we have. That And even so in the body of the church, that there are individuals that try to figure out the mystery of God and can't do it. And they have decided that in their life and in their way that they want to believe that the gifts of the Spirit are no longer a viable means that God uses to have us to do his bidding. Or as many that read the Bible do, they don't read the book of Revelation. They don't read the prophetic, future prophetic words of those that saw visions and dreams but they don't buy those that they pick and choose what portions of the Bible they decide they want to read and believe as true. Like when Jesus faced down the Sanhedrin, that they had the Sadducees, which only read the first five books of the Bible, five first scrolls, and they declared those as the law of Moses. And there was nothing further that needed to be read because what Moses established was Moses, the law of Moses. So that's what they believe, period. Well, the only problem is that it's not the law of Moses. It's a law of God that was established and Moses was the delivery guy. 
He carried the package. And if you remember, this is very poignant and very, very important. On the mount, on God's mountain, which when Moses went up there and God was present, a lightning and thunder was there, pretty much telling everybody in the land and the region around, God's here. And remember what Moses asked God? He says, wait a minute, nobody's going to listen to my slurred speech. Nobody's going to listen to my lisp. Nobody's going to pay attention to my limping down the mountain. Who do I tell him sent me? Who do I tell him told me to carry this package to them? Tell them, I am. I am sent you. I am from the beginning of the age. I am now. And I will be to the end of the age. And I promise that I will be with you, care for you, take care of you, and do all these things. Well, now, if this is the person who is supposed to be the law and give them the law, why is he being sent to deliver it from someone else? What? See, the Sadducees didn't pay attention to everything they read. They just decided that it was the law of Moses. And uh, in one of my translations that I have, and I pay attention, and I love dearly, and I know all these naysayers that decide that they don't like it because that's their opinion. That's okay. Opinions are not factual. What I see is truth, and truth is established and only truth. That's what I share, truth, only truth. I don't make up things, and I don't pretend things are something other for me and different for somebody else. It's not. Truth is truth, and truth comes from God, period. So I'll remind you once again, you can try my spirit, and it's going to be established in your minds and hearts that I am speaking truth. So, Moses was the package carrier. The package that he was given by God was the law that we were supposed to follow. But see, the Sadducees decided that they weren't going to read anymore in the scrolls because Moses established the law. So, the law of Moses. And which is why Jesus was tried or pushed into crucifixion by the pharisaical minds of the Sanhedrin. And they declared him to be crucified because of the law of Moses. And the retortion was that I am the law of Moses. You go ahead and you do what you want, but it's not Moses' law. And he, he didn't say that, I'm paraphrasing now. But his retortion would have been, that's fine. You do whatever you like or whatever you feel that is necessary, but I am the law of Moses. I gave Moses the law. Moses carried the law. And we have to remember that as well. And there are individuals that declare all sorts of things, but here's the, the part that we need to pay attention to. Pay attention, grab onto, hang on to this ride. There is a lot that's going on on the face of this world. And prayerfully and thankfully, there's a lot of moving of God's spirit on our plane of existence right now. You have a, you have the, I don't know if it's still going, but a university in Tennessee, Virginia, I think it's a Virginia, Ashbury. They started a prayer meeting in the university chapel and it's been 
going 24 hours a day and it's still going, I believe. But there are folks that have been coming to that. I haven't heard the latest or looked for the latest, but there are people that are coming from all over this world, all over this planet. This plane of existence are coming from countries far away to come to worship God and hear the preaching of his gospel. The good news of God being established in the world and they're coming for this. They're being called to this. How does that happen? I don't see anything on big time uh, news media. What they do, what I do see on news media is that they make fun of, ridicule, and put down individuals that are declaring their faith in God and now they try to poo-poo that and, and say that they don't have any business, they don't have any right. Yeah, well, wait a second, excuse me. Our Bill of Rights in the Constitution declared that we do have freedom of speech, we have freedom of religion. This is why the pilgrims came to this country to begin with. One of the reasons is to have freedom of religion to worship their way. And that includes any, as long as they're not doing harm to anyone else. This this goes for anyone. And declaring someone who is of Muslim belief a terrorist simply because they believe that they're a Muslim let me share something with you. Has any, anyone out there read the Quran? So how are you going to decide if you are one of those individuals? Remember, don't get your knickers all in a twist. It makes for uncomfortable seating. And if the shoe fits and you wear it, and walk. If it doesn't, then just don't worry about it. Let it go. But you have individuals that are Muslim and the true Muslim and that reads and, and believes in the Quran. Their way is to love everyone, but their declaration is that their their way is the right way. And, and you get individuals, and just like you had the Zealots in the time of the Roman Empire, and the Bible speaks to them, speaks to a lot of different factions. But, and I'm not, I think that's where I'll have to research this a little bit and find out. We will visit this again. But the Zealot, this is where the term zealous comes from, I think. I'm not certain of that. But when you are very emphatic with something, so you have zealots in two different directions. And um, well, this, this would apply. Being a fanatic about something is not exactly the best. People tend to look negatively to it. I guess I could find myself as um, being that. But the other definition is not good. I am 
I am fanatical about my Lord God, not in a detrimental way, and I'm not going to be jumping on people's toes and jumping up and down and screaming in their face and getting so excited that I have spittle flying out of my face when I try to talk to people. I am zealous. I am ardent in my digging into the word of God and sharing with people his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. It's all about God. So for me, I'm I'm zealous with that, and I really want to be more so because I find myself in a shortfall when I'm trying to do that. And the devil wants that to happen. He wants us to be fall short. And when we do, we don't need to beat our heads against a wall, self-condemn and take like you had individuals who were very fanatical and very ardent about this. They were in, a, in another church. They were a faction or a sect of uh, the Catholic church. Not trying to degrade them, so don't get your knickers in a twist about that, but I'm not calling them out, but there was a faction or a group that was within the Catholic Church, and they used to self-mutilate. If they did something that they didn't think was in the teaching from the Bible, that they would actually self-mutilate. They would, they would, um, they would beat themselves. There's a word for it, and I can't remember what that is but they would uh, do so. So they were very zealous to a really extreme fanatical sense. But remember this, that within the time that Jesus was walking, that you had the zealots. And they were, they were a very hyper fanatical group they were more warlike. They were, as the definition shows, they were an ultra, ultra, ultra patriotic group that were in and around Judea. And they were, because they had prayed for the Messiah to come. And, they, and the, here's the sad part of it is that all these individuals were part of the Jewry in the higher echelon, and they had become a secretive group, just like you have that within the Catholic Church. They had brought themselves into a secretive group. They were ultra-warlike and ultra-fanatical, and they would be willing to kill and just exactly what they did during the time when Jesus was walking and preaching kindness, compassion, and love, believe that he is here to establish the kingdom of heaven, which is what we are all part of. We're not there yet because we're not home. We happen to be in residence here. We haven't been called home yet, but they were going to assassinate members of the Roman hierarchy, dignitaries that were sent out through regions to a spy what their centurions and their regents were doing and making sure that they were following the letter of the Roman law. But these individuals had been praying for the Messiah and sadly, adversely, let's flip the coin and look at this, sadly that you have very staunch believers 
and they believe that the Messiah has not yet come. They're looking for the second coming of the Lion of tribe of Judah as the coming of the Messiah. So they believe that many believe, I'm not going to say that all believe because there's many that have changed their their mind and become of the one mindset as other Christians that Jesus is indeed the son of God and came for the purpose that he came for. They believe that. Didn't at one time, but now, but anyway, the zealots still believe that Jesus was not the Messiah as prophesied in the Bible. And these are individuals that decide that certain parts of the Bible are not read. But you have those who are zealous in nature in the Muslim way of life as you had in the Judeo-Christian walk. And you have those individuals that are the same within the Catholic body. It doesn't mean that they do and establish and are told by their elders and authority within the body of church that it's okay that what they're doing when it's not okay because they are so fanatical, so warlike, and they advocate the violent overthrow of anyone that is not as following their established protocol. So you had the zealots that were during the time that you, and active during the time that Jesus was walking and preaching and teaching. And you have those in the Muslim faith that do the same thing. They become terrorists, active terrorists. And let me share this with you. They kill their own within their own. They will kill. And then, of course, if you declare that you are a Christian and no longer a Muslim, as I shared with you already, very sad thing that just breaks my heart, that this man told, and he was Muslim, and his wife was Muslim and all, but then she found and was saved and declared her faith in God and found that Jesus was in her life and she wanted that way in her child. So he turned her into his authorities. They beheaded her and that of beheaded his child, a 10-year-old child took that child's head and took a mother's head because they had faith in God. They believed in faith in God and believed in Jesus Christ. So they cut off their head. And that's okay because as soon as they took them, I'm, I believe that before that hit them, that sword that they used or however they did it, they were already in heaven with God because of their declaration of faith. So you have a Sabbath thing. So don't get your knickers all in a twist and a bunch about things that I say because I share with you truth. That's all I share with you is truth. And you look historically, I mean, it just happened that way. But what we have to remember, brothers and sisters, and just like I shared with you, is we have to be in communion with one another. And communion is not just the representation and taking the elements of the Eucharist, which is the established 
holy communion, that you recognize the cracker, wafer, wine, juice, whatever it is to represent. We need to do that because Jesus said that we are to do that thing, that representation of why he came, a representation of his blood and his body, which was broken, oh, terribly broken for our sake. And that he then had to endure, which I think was was more painful to him. I'm not sure because I wasn't there, but I believe that I speak truth in this because I'm being told that it is truth. That probably the worst part, the worst part, not the part because he already knew it was going to happen. But when he was hanging on the cross and right before he looked down and asked God to forgive him and he cried out, my God, my God, why hath thou forsaken me? God didn't forsake him and he knew that. But he said that because that's what he felt. He spoke moment, in an instant, he spoke that because he could feel that God had turned away. And God turned away because Jesus, at the time that he was giving this, the the entire weight and the entire burden of the sins of the world, he took on himself. And God could not stand to see that happen to his son. This was something that was already, it was planned. And Jesus was going to do it and said that he would. And God manifests and came to this earth. And that was already an established plan because God didn't want to destroy the earth yet again because of all the hate, deceit that is going on. So... We need to be in communion, but what that also means is that we have a common faith, a common faith in God our Father. We have a common fellowship with that faith in God our Father. And that we share and we hold a common participation in the walking with the Holy Spirit because he guides our steps. He guards our way and our life. Be careful in these things that are happening. Yes, God will pour his spirit out, but also that you must know, you must know, you must know and be in practice and guarding this, be in like-minded spirit of faith in God that Satan will have his minions that are working in knowing that this is all going on because they're reporting back to him. And he is going to try to camouflage those that he has and employ, his minions, and they're going to disguise. But remember that Jesus himself told us, Peter told us, Paul's told us, John's told us that there will come those who will be deceivers and liars looking to deceive even the elect that there will be members of churches that will turn and they will follow what's being said by these liars and deceivers and the minions working for Satan because he is so adept at camouflage. Let me tell you, as a military person, I saw some really good stuff. 
that they were so good at camouflage that they came within our wires. They had ways that they could get past and through. You wouldn't even know they were there until it was too late. That's how Satan works. He's really good at it. You won't even know until it's too late. And there are individuals, they do that very thing. They, he camouflaged himself to be great and powerful. And he's not. He's not. We have power and authority that's been given to us. And we have that power and authority. We still have it because God has not taken it away. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you every day. My going out, my coming in. Be cautious, be aware, try the spirit. The Holy Spirit of the Lord God Almighty will speak. You just have to lean in and listen.